Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to Let Freedom Reign podcast. Before we get started, I just want to let you know, this episode is brought to you by Buckaroo Media, a digital marketing company that focuses on social media that cultivates relationships between brands and their customers. Buckaroo Media prides themselves on building genuine and authentic connections. Digital marketing doesn't have to be overwhelming or overly time-consuming. With Buckaroo Media on your team, you're free to focus on the areas of your business which you're most passionate about, and let Buckaroo Media handle the rest. Check them out on Instagram at buckaroo.media or Facebook at Buckaroo Media. For more information about Buckaroo Media and how they can grow your Western brand, visit buckaroomedia.com. B-U-C-K-A-R-O-O-M-E-D-I-A.com. Hey everybody, I'm Jason, your host of Let Freedom Reign, an equine industry leading podcast that talks to folks from all different walks of life who share their testimony of adversities and perseverance and how the horse has helped them through their journey. Stay tuned. We're going to have a great time. Come along for the ride. Welcome everybody to episode 59 here at Let Freedom Reign podcast. Our guest this week is Kimberly Dunn of Idlewild Horsemanship. Kim and I met a couple weeks back up at Heart of the Horse, and she has an absolutely amazing story of traveling the world to further her education of horsemanship. Again, if you are fans of the show and regular listeners, we ask you to share the show with a friend. You can find us on both Facebook and Instagram under Let Freedom Reign Podcast. We ask that you follow us and give us a five-star rating and review on the podcast platform of your choice. Without further introduction, here is our conversation with Kimberly Dunn. A community sort of just starting to get into natural horsemanship. And, and that sort of thing. There's only a couple of trainers in the UK, really. Um, and, and yeah, I, it blows my mind now. Now I've seen, you know, all the stuff I've seen and all the horsemanship I've seen, how behind we are in the UK <laughs> and how, like, when I first got into horses, how it's an, a normal thing for, for you to be pushed around by a horse and, you know, to be dragged to the field by a horse and there's no partnership there. So that's what I would like to bring home is to really promote that idea you literally traveled the world trying to better understand the horse and now you Mm -hmm. can kind of compare that to some of your experiences in the uk but before we get too deep in anything let's go into a little bit about your history to give some context on the show as to who you are and and how you got into horses and then we'll get into your international education how about (laughs) yeah okay so um, from from a very young age, I, I was obsessed with horses for no good reason, really, because my family were never horsey people. Um, I don't know. I guess I watched Black Beauty and some horse cartoons on TV, like Silver Brumby. And um, yeah, I just I just loved them. And I would be as a kid, you know, we'd drive around and I'd look out the window and see a horse in the field and be like, oh, horse is cool. And um, yeah. I just had this real thing for them. And um, unfortunately, I, I had a couple of lessons quite young, um, but we couldn't afford to keep it up. Um, so I stopped. But I still, I, like, through till being uh, a teenager, uh, I would buy horse magazines. And I, I remember I had this little folder, this blue folder with horse facts in that I'd cut out of magazines. And <laughs> yeah, I was, quite, I was quite the little horse geek. Um, and I was just then, saying, all of us have a little bit of that in us. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I think when that happens when you're a kid and your parents are like... What is going on? But yeah, I I had a real, real thing. And, uh, 
And uh, yeah, so when I was um, 16 or 17, uh, we had a little bit of uh, fam family movement. My mum, I was living in Scotland for a little while uh, with my mum and some of my family up there. And uh, my mum decided uh, to move to Cyprus and um, I didn't want to move over there. So I moved uh, back down to England to live with my dad. And at this point, uh, because we'd have had a little bit of family upheaval and stuff, um, and I was a teenager, I was a bit sort of upset at the whole thing, a bit angsty. And, and um, my dad and my stepmom sort of pushed me into trying horse riding again and booked me in for this, uh, at like a local stables. They had like an owner horse for a day thing. Mm -hmm. and, and that was it. I never looked back. <laughs> So I'm very grateful to them for, for getting me to go because I remember at the time I was like, oh, no, I don't want to go. And, and I loved it. And it completely, like, I was hooked. And um, so I started having lessons regularly and then very quickly I started, like, volunteering there and helping. Then I got a job and it just sort of snowballed from there. I, I definitely would say that I learnt everything the hard way I fell off a lot, <laughs> and I mean a lot. It was ridiculous. Um, so we, the first place I was at, they had uh, hunting horses, um, and they also had, uh, they would get a lot of sort of cheap horses and sell them on, and I would get put on these thoroughbreds and, you know, ex-race horses and, and be told to go and trot it around and then, you would just take them out and just see what happened. And I didn't know what I was doing. So. <laughs> That's a heck of a plan. So, let's just take them off the racetrack. I, we'll throw, throw a child yeah. on there. Oh, let's see what oh happens. My God. And there's me trying to be all like being brave and yeah, yes. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I can do it. And uh, yeah, it would always end badly. <laughs> so what are the, but, explain a little bit about what the hunting horses do or like kind of what that discipline's about. Okay, so the hunters, so yeah, it's not like, so in the UK, I know in, in America and, and Canada, I think too, you have like the hunter jumpers, but in the UK, it's a little different. So the hunting horses are horses that literally go hunting, out fox hunting. Um, so basically they, they would have the summer pretty much off and then, uh, well, late summer onwards, they'll start getting exercised in there. You, you go out and you chop them on the roads and then canter them and, and they will also, you, you'll jump them to get them fit. And then um, depending on the people that own the horses and how often they go hunting, they'll go out two or three, four times a week hunting. Um, and they're big horses. Um, and yeah, that was, that was all. I only ever went actually hunting once and I was just glad to survive the day. <laughs> you just got to sort... You just got to sort through which horses were the good ones and the bad ones, right? Yeah, I had, I had a good horse. <laughs> Thank God I had a horse who looked after me because I didn't know what to, I knew that, you know, there would be lots of fast stuff and we would be jumping things like fences and ditches. And and this horse really looked after me. I'm so grateful to him because if you fall off out hunting, they leave you. Like, they'll carry on. Yeah, I was going to say, that's going to be a long walk themselves. back to the barn. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. And that was like one of the one occasions I actually stayed on. <laughs> Impressive. Impressive <laughs> so, nonetheless. Yes. So that was good. Um, but yeah, so, so I was there a couple of years. Then I ended up, um, I did Camp America, which, um, so that's, uh, so obviously you have the, the summer camps, um, in America and there was this program where, um, 
as a Brit, or I think they do it in Europe too, you can go over and you can work at one of these camps for the summer. Um, and so I did that. I think I was 18 when I did that. Um, the first year I did it twice and uh, went to North Carolina, um, worked at this really big um, camp and it was beautiful. It's called Camp Greystone. And I met uh, the most amazing group of friends there. And we're still friends now. We all have this big Facebook group um, on Messenger and we talk, we keep up regularly. Everyone's having babies and getting married now. And um, But yeah, that was the most incredible experience. And uh, that's where I had a little uh, touch into Western there um, because I ended up taking trail rides out every day um with these uh lovely old they're all the old horses and uh taking the kids out all day long and it was beautiful and yeah those were really happy times um and that sort of opened my eyes there to a different kind of riding um and just it started I think the little bit of travel that I have in me too so from there um through a contact I had met there because the lady that ran the riding program at camp uh she was English too and she had um an eventing friend uh who lived in Gloucestershire which is a very beautiful part of England if anyone's ever visiting it's a beautiful place to go in the Cotswolds um so I went to work for this lady when I finished up the second year in, in America and uh, so then I was 20, 21. I worked for this lady then um, and it was hard. <laughs> so she had uh, eventing horses. There were also hunters there. She had a little riding school. So I did a bit of teaching there too. Um, and we would look after the horses. I was, I was a working pupil there. So what you would do is you would work and then get some education from her. So we would have lessons um, and it would just be things also on, on horse care, um, teaching methods. Um, yeah, all sorts of those things. But it was a little like being in the army. She, <laughs> she, she was a very tough lady to work for. Um, we would be up. We had to be at the yard we had to have horses caught in and fed and the stables had to be mucked out and then we had to be on our horses for a lesson by a certain time every day and we would all be running around ragged in the morning trying <laughs> to get everything done. scrambling to but, get it done yeah we were like and by the time we got on our horses we were so exhausted from doing everything else yeah. that trying to get through the lesson was just quite the like, challenge excruciating um, but yeah, it was, um, it was, that again was another amazing experience. And I learned a lot. I learned things like how to work efficiently, um, how to have a good standard of work, um, and uh, how to cope under pressure. Yeah. I was going to say um, dealing with stress. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, and the other thing I learned was, that, so I, um, I struggled a lot with the, with the riding here. I really, really tr was trying my best to be, to be good. And what, um, what was the challenge, if you don't mind me asking? So here was, um, it was all about um, uh, like getting horses uh, in an outline. You know, they had to be in, uh, like over here we call it, or some people call it, on the bit. Mm -hmm. You know, where mm -hmm. they're working like you see, like the dressage horses. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, I just could not get it. I just could not, not get the feel for it. 
and and there was all this uh pressure all the time and sometimes if I have a lot of pressure on me like that and I'm trying to learn something I get like a block mm-hmm. and, it, and it just mm-hmm. doesn't happen and yeah. that would happen a lot if particularly I think with this late she's a very good teacher but I think with her teaching style it just didn't fit me at all and I really struggled. And um, unfortunately, I finished at that place. Um, I think my my horse care and the standards of everything there were all really good and amazing. But my riding, I ended up like my confidence was done. Like I didn't have any anymore. And I had started to question whether I even wanted to carry on with horses because I felt like I wasn't good enough um which was sad um but you know it's just part of part of life um so so I left I went back home and um I was just trying to work out what I should do I didn't know um and I just happened to be looking through uh, some job adverts and I saw there was this western place and they were advertising for a groom and I thought hmm looks interesting um and because I'd done that little bit when I was at camp I was quite intrigued so I went for an interview and I just couldn't believe that there was this place that it wasn't that far from me it was a half hour drive um and I couldn't believe there was this facility there and I didn't know about it um so I I got the job and long story short I ended up there uh, seven years nearly um that's a pretty good stretch I yeah I ended up I saw I was head groom so I sort of um oversaw the running of the of the yard and everything and and the um looking after the horses and ordering things and and then also I ended up uh, with a teaching qualification and uh, so I would teach some lessons there and clinics sometimes um, and then I would, I would ride. I was very lucky. I, cause my, uh, job role initially was just groom and then I sort of evolved. Um, and I, I was very interested in the riding side of things. And I started asking, I sort of started pushing and asked if I could ride on my lunch break. And, um, and I, I was allowed to, so I did. And then, uh, it went from there really. I ended up with a couple of horses to ride now and then, and, then I had quite a good relationship with some of the clients. So then um, they would give me horses to show. Um, and I was lucky I had some good help from the, from the trainer there. He helped me out. And then, yeah, I ended up showing uh, in reining classes. And that was incredible. I loved it so much. Uh, then I also got into freestyle reining. They, they started putting on some freestyle classes and, and I would do that. And nobody else really does that here that's what <laughs> so i was gonna say how, how big one. is raining in the uk <laughs> well raining is growing mm-hmm. it, it is relatively small when you compare it to other uh, equestrian sports in the uk um yeah it's it's relatively small but there there is a community and it's it sort of seems to to build and there are quite a lot of rainers and the shows are busy and then another year it'll fall back again mm-hmm. um so, I mean, it's nowhere near, you know, the scale in, in America or Canada or even Europe. It's very big in Europe, uh, say Germany, um, France, Italy. Uh, it's very big over there. But yeah, here it is quite small. Um, so, for instance, in the freestyle classes, I was the only one in the class. <laughs> so that was great because I won. I was going to say, that takes off the pressure um, of having to compete, right? When it's you and your, yeah, your and horse. I, 
and I did have fun like, and fly around and with Michael Jackson on and have a good time and uh, yeah so that was cool but yeah it, it's a small even western like as a whole in the UK is a relatively small community um, which hopefully hopefully it's going to keep getting bigger as more and more people get introduced to it because it's so much fun. Now, do you think it's small um, because of a lack of interest or do you think it's small just because it's new to to that part of the I, world? I think it's been around a while, but I th- I don't know. I guess just because it's, um, it's not so well known. Like yeah, I didn't even yeah. know until I worked at this place I was at, I didn't even know it was there. Um, so... I think through, there are a couple of good trainers um, in the UK now who are sort of, you know, on Facebook a lot and social media and everything. And I think that's helping to push things out there. And I suppose that's what I should be doing soon too. And, <laughs> and uh, I'm really pushing for it because like the whole, I think that there's such a big gap in the market for uh, more natural horsemanship and everything here. Um, so hopefully we can keep promoting it and make it bigger um but yeah i mean here it's all uh so pony club uh show jumping eventing hunting Mm -hmm. um a little bit of endurance and then just you know like just people that just want to trail ride and it's called hacking here you'll go out for a hacking huh yeah interesting yeah Yeah, it's interesting (laughs) i'm not sure where that came from (laughs) oh good stuff so So, where else have you traveled because i know when we talked a little bit when we were up at Heart of the Horse a few weeks back, I mean, you have yeah. literally traveled the world pursuing an education in horses. So what, yes. I know you talked a little bit about your early experiences going to Camp Greystone mm. and that kind of sparking your interest, yeah. but what for you made you decide that I, I, I'm going to pack my bags and we're going to go to the greatest in the world that I can find or I have access to and, and yeah. try to pursue this education? Well, uh, so... As I said, I was I was at the um, the establishment I was working at. Um, I was there nearly seven years, and I was just getting towards the last sort of eighteen months there. And I, I wanted a bit more. I wanted to learn more. I wanted to be doing more with the horses, more sort of training the horses, and I wanted to be teaching more than I was. Like I wanted to. I I was teaching, but I was only teaching to a certain level, mm-hmm. and I wanted to be able to offer more. Um, so I, and there was, so that was this want that was growing in me. And unfortunately it started to become clear that in the job position I was in, it wasn't going to be possible. Um, so while I was sort of trying to deal with that, um, there was a clinician that was coming over from America to do a clinic and it was Dan James. And I knew who he was because I was into freestyle and I'd seen his stuff on youtube and i said it's stuff yeah you know stuff he does yeah and then and i thought i've got i just had this this feeling like i have got to get on that clinic and um i was very lucky um i was allowed to take time out of work to do the clinic and i was also very lucky in that one of the clients kindly gave me his horse um to use for the clinic oh cool and his horse he yeah he's a really cool little rainer but he was also like he had quite a bit of spunk in him and he was sort of not wanting to do the things that we were asking him on the clinic so it drew it drew a bit more attention to me so that that always makes it fun right Yeah. Um, so yeah, so Dan came and he did this clinic and I was just blown away. 
Oh, I was, it was amazing. Like the stuff that we did on the clinic was, was, it was things that I hadn't seen before, methods I haven't seen before, particularly with the, we did some groundwork and it was like the foundations of, of Liberty work that we were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it blew me away. And and then he did, like, he did a demo at the end and he's riding around on one of um, the stallions we had there and with, with no saddle on and he was cracking his whips. And and I thought, oh, there, there actually is a whole world out there of horsemanship that I don't know about and I need to go and learn this stuff. And um, he also was, there was a lady that was traveling with him, um, Holly. She um was from Australia and she had been traveling around and she'd been to Canada and other places and she was telling me about all this travel she'd done and and I thought I just have to I have to do this I have to go out and travel and learn um so shortly after the clinic I I messaged Dan and I said look can I come and learn from you and uh, he said yes. So um, it was just that easy. That was, One email and a yes, quite, and we're on yeah, with it. I, know. <laughs> I didn't even think he'd message back. It was quite the oh, it was it was the best feeling. I was like, oh, this is it. Um, I had to wait a while because he was still sort of getting established in the U.S. And I was going to say so we, have, that we time, have to mutually apologize to Dan James if he gets a, a flood of emails now asking for yes. help in training at the barn. <laughs> Sorry, Dan. <laughs> Um, yeah. So, yeah, so he had some time to get established. So while that was happening, I'd sort of decided that I, I'd had enough where I was. And and I booked a ticket to Australia and just went backpacking, <laughs> just as you do. Um, I had been saving money for a while, so it was all fine. So I went to Australia and then New Zealand. And, and that was just more of like a traveling vacation, more traveling thing. Yeah. And that was amazing. And then um, then, yeah, I got home and and pretty much as soon as I got home, Dan was ready to have me. So I went over there and and again, I was just blown away. I landed in Kentucky and I couldn't believe the country there. That was incredible. Oh, I remember oh, I remember coming down on the plane and it was just like something out of a dream. All these immaculate like pastures with their amazing fencing and yeah, little barns and everything. Ranches. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's just incredible. And um and yeah, and their place is amazing, and and I loved it, and I loved. They are such. Dan and Elizabeth are so supportive. Yes, it is unreal, Absolutely. and the help I received from them, and the opportunities I, I left that place on such a high, and having I I actually believed in myself for a change, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was amazing, and. Um, so the good thing was um, I also left there with the, they wanted me to come back and they wanted me to come and, and work for them on more of a permanent basis, you know, and continue mm-hmm. learning mm-hmm. from them. So there, fr- from there, I started um, my visa application process. Um, so I came home and um, <laughs> I had Googled how long this visa would take and it was going to be something like, I don't know, six months. And it turned out to be a lot longer than yeah, that. Yeah, I was going to say that's probably um, <laughs> not going to be accurate information, but carry on. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, anyway, so I get home and I'm thinking, you know, the first thing I need to do is start earning money again because I have now spent it all. Um, so I got a job in uh, the first place I could, which happened to be a call center. Um, helping small businesses with their broadband issues, and that was uh, the job from hell. <laughs> it was, it was uh, yeah, that was quite grim. Um, 
And unfortunately as well, I didn't have, because I was trying to take on as many shifts as I could to earn back all this money while I was waiting. And uh, so it meant I didn't have time for horses Mm -hmm. um, at this point. So that was difficult um, for me because it was a total change of of lifestyle. Um, And yeah, it was a bit of a miserable job really. But um, yeah, so I I was in that for, uh, it ended up being, I think, nearly eight months and I was still waiting for this visa and I just wasn't hearing anything. And we'd done everything that we could up to a point and it was just taking forever. Uh, you know, and in the meantime, I'm seeing on Facebook all my friends and everyone in America having a lovely time and doing all this cool stuff. And I was like, oh, I need to get back there. And and I uh, <laughs> so well, I made the decision uh, because uh, it was when uh, Dan was competing in Road to the Horse. And I had thought I had in my head that I was going to be back for this point. And it just wasn't, nothing was happening with the visa. And so I thought, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm just going to quit my job. Perfect. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) I'm going to fly out there. I'm going to be there for this event. I'm going to spend a bit of time and just remember why I'm doing all of this. Mm -hmm. Because I had gotten quite miserable in this job. Um, I just want to remember why I'm doing it and have some time with these guys and have some horse time and then I'll come back and then as if by magic my visa will have come and then I can just come back again and it will be good <laughs> so that you know that was my amazing plan um so there I was I I quit the job I jumped up back on a plane uh went across uh, we did road to the horse and 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 it did remind me you know why I was doing it all again I had was having an amazing time I started learning a few more things and I saw my friends and and I was like yes I, this was a good decision <laughs> yes to a point and, uh, and then yes <laughs> however comma <laughs> So yes, and then the next thing we decide to do is uh, uh, Dan has this expo in um, in Canada, and asked uh, myself and two others, uh, would we like to go up with him to this expo? So I'm like, yeah, Canada! Like I've always wanted to go to Canada. Um, so yeah, off, off we went. Uh, I, I feel so naive now. <laughs> so <laughs> off we went. Um, and uh, yeah, we had a lovely weekend in Canada. The the expo was successful. The horses all were amazing, and it was great. And then uh, and then we were up uh, early. I can't even remember. I think I guess it was the Monday morning um, to head back to Kentucky. And it was quite you know it was a long drive. Uh, we were in Toronto, back down there. And yeah, so we got up super early, fed the horses. I remember all of this very vividly. Um, got them all loaded up headed down got to the border around nine o'clock at detroit and i never made it past the border (laughs) 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 so uh, still waiting on a visa yeah (laughs) Yeah, so quite the quite the dramatic day uh cut quite short was uh yeah they wouldn't let me back into america they and me and uh these uh two others that i was with um they um thought that we were working which we were there and we were helping dan feed the horses because we were with him in canada and yeah it was it was quite the quite the sad day and um yeah they decided that we weren't allowed back in and um sent us back and i remember dan dropped us off dan drove us back across the border and dropped us off at a at a hotel and uh, after a very long 
a not very nice day there um we said bye and I <laughs> by this point I was quite upset <laughs> and, uh, cry, crying a lot and uh I said bye and I remember watching him drive away with the trailer and thinking oh no I think I may have uh, screwed things up for myself <laughs> a little here <laughs> and uh yeah it turns out that I did a little bit um so um so Dan went back to Kentucky and I was left there. I had two others with me, thank God, um, who I'm now good friends with. Um, and we we stayed in the hotel for a couple of days and tried to figure out what to do and whether we were just going to all fly back home or whether we were going to make some lemonade out of the, the lemons we'd been dealt and uh, enjoy some of Canada. I was so going to say, quite, quite very... the bonding experience getting trapped in another country, right? Oh, it was it was like... Uh, <laughs> Well, it was like being left, you know, when you're left at school or something for the yeah. first time and you just like, I felt so vulnerable and so like, it was, it was a horrible feeling. I yeah. have to say it was horrible. Um, yeah, it was, it was not a good day. And I feel so lucky that I had the two other guys with me that I did, because I think if I'd have been on my own, I'm not quite sure. I mean, I guess I would have been okay, but I don't like to think about it because, yeah, it was it was horrible. A little stressful. We, yeah, yeah, a little bit stressful. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, we did choose to uh, the the old lemonade option, and we um, we hired a truck. Uh, we had some. Luckily, through a couple of Facebook callouts, we had some contacts, and uh, we hired a truck when we drove across Canada. So we drove from Toronto across to um, Alberta. We stayed for, I think it was a couple of weeks with a, with a trainer in, um, I think it was Saskatchewan. And then um, we ended up um, with Nikki, Nikki Flundra at her ranch. And that's how I met her. And it was the most incredible couple of weeks at her place. It is so beautiful beautiful in um southern alberta and and her ranch in particular is spectacular it's just how like if you imagine canada like that's her ranch with mountains and beautiful views and rivers and animals everywhere <laughs> it's amazing i was gonna say i was uh, absolutely blown away when we crossed the border into southern alberta and not yeah. too far into our drive like it was my first trip to canada up there for heart of the horse and just yeah. Everything was gorgeous. And you want to talk about no shortage of grass up there. I mean, they had square <laughs> yeah. bales as far as you could see yeah. for hours of driving. It was impressive. Yeah. It's oh, it's just the most beautiful place. I absolutely I love it there. And and yeah, we had a really cool couple of weeks at her place and now uh, Nikki and I got on really well. Um and um that's sort of what resulted in me ending up um, at Heart of the Horse um, this year, actually. But yeah, so yeah, we had a great couple of weeks with her. Um, it was it was really cool to meet her. They're a very cool family. Um, and then I had to get home uh, for a wedding, actually. I was going to um, say, did we ever so, make it out of Canada or you just been yeah, stuck there ever yeah, since? Yeah, no, I did, only because of this, <laughs> this blooming wedding, although it was a good wedding. And then for the summer, you know, because I'm still waiting on this blooming visa, so... 
uh, at this point, right, I need to get a couple of jobs. So I did. I ended up working about four jobs over the summer oh, wow. doing all sorts. Yeah, I was, I, I managed to get a horse. Well, I worked for a trainer friend of mine a couple of hours south of me. So I had some horse work. So that was great. That kept me sane. Um, I worked for a wedding company. So I was waitressing, bar work and cleaning for them. Um, what else was I doing? I had another job. I can't think right now what that was. I had another job doing something. Oh, I worked in a cafe too. Um, and then I also had this harebrained idea of, of uh, decorating horseshoes and selling them on Etsy, which was lasted not very long. <laughs> 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 I really liked them and I thought they were good, but they did not sell. <laughs> we'll chalk that up to experience. But, yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. It was just like a, a little creative idea I had. Um, yeah, so I was very busy, um, still, still waiting on the visa. Anyway, uh, then uh, I think it was September, October time um, last year. Uh, I finally had the magical email of everything had gone through with my visa. And now the only thing I had left to do was to go down to London to the embassy and go for my interview. As far as I was concerned, I had everything I needed and more um to help me with this interview and i'd had my sights set on this and on the american dream you know of going to work yeah. for dan and learning yeah. all this stuff for a long time and and although we'd had the tr the troubles in the, <laughs> when i was there previously i just was so set on you know this is what's happening and it's all going to be okay it's going to be fine. And luckily for me, at uh, the last minute, because uh, I was going to go down there on my own, uh, my mum um, messaged me and said, oh, shall I meet you for a day in London? And, and uh, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that'll be good. Um, and didn't think anything of it. Anyway, so I got to London, uh, met up with my mum, went to the embassy and uh, went in for my interview. And um, they said no. <laughs> and it was um it was horrible i it was i didn't believe it when she when she said no to me uh she said i didn't have enough evidence that i would be coming back to the uk and i had a file full of evidence next to me and i said i have it here and she said um my decision is final and she wouldn't look at it and uh I was just so shocked. Yeah, I was just saying, how deflating. Like, it was no, and there was no, like, there was no give. There was no, oh, yeah, okay, let me have a look. That was it. I didn't know what to say. I, I just didn't know what to say. And I'm not a very confrontational person, mm -hmm. and I'm not someone that angers very quickly either. Mm -hmm. um, so I just was like, oh, right, okay, okay thanks. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I left. How terrible. Yeah, and I, I sort of took a breath and got outside, and uh I remember, I, this is quite dramatic and sad here, but this is what happened. So I got outside and, uh, yeah, I, I was upset and got upset and broke down a little bit. And then I realised that my mum could see me through the um, through the windows of, like, the reception bit. And I thought, oh, God, well, I bet my mum's like... What is so going I on? went out. Yeah, I went out and saw my mum. <clears> and it was... I couldn't... It's such a good job she was there because I could not function. I just... She'd like steered me through town and on and off the the underground and everything, and I just couldn't. Yeah, it was quite devastating. Um, and then, yeah, so it was a no, and that was it. And uh, there was uh, we we spoke. Well, I spoke with Dan, and and I spoke to um, the. We had a lawyer that was helping, and 
and she had said um you know you can try again but it's i, I don't know everything's so tight now um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and she said you you can try again it would it would involve like paying again and going through it all again but um there is quite a slim chance that that you would that you would get it and and so while I was thinking on this, this is like a couple of weeks afterwards, um, I, I randomly, um, I had a message from my horse trainer friend who I'd been doing some work for. And she, uh, it was a screenshot of a message she'd been sent by a reining trainer in um, Switzerland. And um, she was looking for staff and had said to my friend, did she know anyone? And my friend had recommended me. Oh, wow. And it yeah, and it was quite the curveball. Um, I remember thinking, well, for something to just drop out of the sky like this. Yeah, so that's quite uh, the opportunity to just kind of land in your lap. Yeah, um, so so I thought about it and uh, I ended up messaging the lady and I said, look, this is who I am and this is what I've done. And she pretty much said, well, if you want the job, you can have it. And, and then I had to have a think, like, did I want to give give up? on the on trying again for the visa or try I could I could have um tried again but it would have meant waiting longer and possibly still being said no to and then missing out on this opportunity in Switzerland um so I spoke with Dan and we both agreed that I should um give Switzerland a go so so I did um so <laughs> so next thing uh it got to um we're nearly at Christmas now, and uh, I started the job on January the 1st of this year. And, uh, yeah, I, I went over to Switzerland. I didn't really know what to expect, to be honest. I knew uh, I knew the trainer. Um, she's quite well known and, and known to be very good. Um, and I knew the ranch, so I thought, let's let's give it a go. And, and I got there, and, and the ranch was incredible. Um, best facilities I've ever seen or I think ever will see uh the horses were incredible um and uh I had gone in there uh thinking perhaps that uh there would be an opportunity for me to to learn um now the the uh, position the uh the job role uh, was a groom and although I was looking to you know expand on, on that um it became clear that uh, that was the I job was title. And, That's it. <laughs> yeah, that was it. There was no, there was no leeway there at all. And uh, yeah, so that was sad. And um, I think it became clear quite quick, quickly, actually. And I thought, oh, damn, <laughs> what yeah, this done? isn't right. Uh, <laughs> so, so then, like, I thought again, right? Let's try and make the best of it. So I did, <clears> and um, I. It was a very cool place to work, and um, I did manage to sort of watch people riding, and I managed to wangle my way onto a clinic, and and I had a few lessons, and and so that was good. Um, but unfortunately, it wasn't enough for me at this point in my life. Um, like I really need to be moving forward and learning because I have a lot of stuff I want to do. <laughs> so um, I stayed there four months. I learned what I could. I saw as much of Switzerland as I could, which, by the way, is another beautiful country. Um, really beautiful. And they have amazing cakes and amazing... <laughs> I'm there. Dutch. Salt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Amazing cakes, amazing cheese fondue, which, oh, my God, it's so good. Um, and I made some lovely, lovely friends who I'm still in touch with, um, too. 
So all in all, I feel lucky for for the experience there. And um, so while I was there, you know, and I realized that, okay, this this is not going to happen for me. Um, I started to make a plan and I thought, you know what, like I've spent so long now trying to make this dream happen with, you know, becoming the best horse person, the best trainer, the best teacher that I can be. How am I going to make this happen now that America is off the table? Switzerland hasn't worked out. What am I going to do? And I got in touch with Nikki again. And um, Nikki needed some help and she was willing to help me and um, teach me uh, as much as she could. So I thought, right, okay, well, this is the start. And then the next thing I did was I looked at Australia and I have some horse trainer friends there. So I've organized with them uh, the same thing. And, uh, And I booked the flights and handed my notice in in Switzerland. And that was that. So I went home again and then got on another plane plane to Canada um went back to Nikki's place and I have had the best summer ever it's been so good I have learned so much um from from her from her horses from I I ended up helping quite a lot with um putting together um Heart of the Horse which I wasn't expecting to do I've grown so much and uh, learned so much um, from from that. It it was the most incredible experience, and it was the most incredible weekend. <laughs> I've I've come home with a whole lot more than I thought I would. Well, I'll tell um, you some. Dustin and Nikki are some of the most incredible human beings I've ever uh, met. And for they, you to have the opportunity to hang out through the summer, right, and probably one of the yes. busier times or busier seasons in her life, gearing up for this yes. heart of the horse. I mean. All of it was incredible. And I told her to have these hopes and dreams. And even when she was a guest on the show, right, I I think it was off air after the show, you know, she kind of explained what she wanted Heart of the Horse to be. And I have this dream. Yeah. And then to actually put boots on the ground at the Silver Slater Arena and watch the whole weekend take place. I mean, I don't know what her expectations were for the event, but that event had to supersede it. I mean, it was just absolutely incredible. All of the yeah. horsemanship, all of the education, all of the vendors. It, it's, in yeah. my opinion, it's a must-see event. Oh, it is. It really is. And I tell you, that that woman, she is incredible. Like she's she's a massive inspiration to me. And I have told I've told her this. And but she, yeah, the stuff she does, her mind is amazing for a start. Like all the heart of the horse stuff that she produced, it was amazing. And even down to, I remember she came downstairs and she said, oh, I've written a poem for one of the openings. And she read it to me. And I was like, you wrote that last night. She's so said, talented. Yeah. So, so talented. <laughs> she is. She's blooming amazing. And, and Dustin is an incredible guy too. Yeah, absolutely. The whole family, like, like that I feel I I don't think I can say or get across quite enough like how how grateful I am to them for for this summer that they've given me because yeah it it was amazing and heart of the horse was such an amazing event and and like you say to to have we were planning it for so long and putting things together and to see it all actually happening was just 
incredible and it gave me goosebumps regularly and then on the last day i kept getting all emotional all the time as you saw (laughs) (laughs) because it was just i just oh it was just the best feeling just to see it all happen and to see everyone having a good time and learning and it was amazing well standing around i think it was was. monday morning right we're all standing around just kind of catching up and it was just like it's done we did it yeah it's all over yeah it was it was it was the best i i loved it and i didn't realize like it it brought out in me things that i didn't even know were there like creative parts of me that i didn't know i had um and even like the beside the behind the scenes and the and the production i loved it i really loved it so i i'm hoping to to be involved again next year and um we'll we'll see what happens with that but um yeah there's the it turns out there's a little part of me that is uh that likes all the behind the scenes and even the performing as well that was that was very cool i was gonna say the saturday night performance was unbelievable how nikki portrayed the the history of the horse and the history of horsemanship yes. and the versatility i mean it was such a well-written story and yeah. all of the different acts in it were just it was absolutely incredible yeah yeah, it was cool. Amazing. It was very cool. And the opportunity as well that she gave me to to perform with her, with her yeah. most, like with her prized horse, Z. Yeah. She, she said to me, she was like, you're very lucky. And I, was like, <laughs> I know, I hope I don't screw it up. <laughs> oh, I'm so worried because I had to twirl around in that cape and I was wearing spurs on and stuff. I was terrified. I was saying, which is quite impressive. Over. So you're, you're in a dark arena with spurs on with <laughs> yeah. this huge cape. I mean, no, that's not setting anything up for disaster. <laughs> oh, and in spotlights. I remember yeah. in the rehearsal, actually, because I've never worked with spotlights before. And, you know, I'm having to do all my little dramatic twirly stuff. And then... Um, I didn't know where I was. I'm supposed to end up in the middle of the arena for, for Nikki's bit when she comes in and I ended up completely in the wrong place because I just <laughs> I had no idea where I was in the yeah. arena. So yeah, all the these challenges you think, you know, you don't think about and they come up and yeah. <laughs> no, it was absolutely anyway. impressive. But I think yeah. uh, in going back through your story, you've definitely made enough of an argument to to call you an international horsewoman. Um, <laughs> well, based you. on all of your travels and experiences. And I and now I kind of want to develop yeah. some some points that you had talked about in okay. your experience. So you had mentioned early on in the UK, right? You would get to a point where you would almost have a block, right? Based on the amount of pressure yes. or stress that you were faced with, yeah. right? Mm. And I think there's some great parallels in you mentioning that to horsemanship. So yes. in that older style of working with horses, you have this mental block, you're under kind of insurmountable uh, pressure, you know, you cannot perform, cannot think through things. And then yeah. later on in your story, when you're seeking this education of natural horsemanship, you talk about working with Dan and leaving Dan's place on a high. Yeah. Can you explain the transformation or the transition that took place between having a block and not being able to work through things and then all of a sudden regaining this confidence and regaining um an ability to perform, an ability to seek an education? Because I think there's there's a lot of parallels between yeah. your experience and that approach to horses. Yeah, you are so right. You're so right. And I, I think it is, uh, well, I know it's 100% the people that are around you and how they make you feel. If you can be around people that are supportive, uh, like-minded and want to help, 
and understanding as well and can take a step back and think right how can I help how can I best help this person in the situation they're in now um uh then that can help people so much and that's that's why for me like as a teacher as well it's so important for me because I've been in that experience where I just can't do something because I'm I feel like I've been made to feel like I there's no way I can do it or I'm not good enough for uh, there's just too much pressure to get that one thing done right now and do it well um and if I can make someone feel relaxed and confident and like they can have a go and it's not the end of the world actually if you don't get it but that we can try again another day so what i think and this is not to cast judgment on anybody that is that has fallen in your history right but in, yeah and this is based on my experience yeah individuals who teach and they're under that kind of pressure mantra or superior subordinate relationship or they're talking down or not supportive. I think those individuals mm. are more threatened by other people's success yeah. than anything else. They're afraid mm. that you as an individual are going to take a step past them on that journey and they have to do everything in their power or they just hate their life that much <laughs> to, to yeah. suppress any success yeah. you may have. Some of the greatest yeah. people that I have met and some of the greatest horsemen that I've, I've had the experience to, to learn yeah. from, there is none of that. They are more than yeah. willing to give you everything and anything and spend the yeah. countless hours to work on the minutia, which is an absolute blessing because, and I talked mm. to Dan about this at Heart of the Horse, like, I said, Dan, you don't owe me anything. I mean, if you look mm. at the social hierarchy of horsemanship or life or whatever, right? Dan James yeah. owes me nothing, but for him to make mm. time for us here at the podcast, for him to answer all the questions that I have, for him to sit down and just shoot the bull and be friends, like, it's just... It's a very mm. genuine experience. They're absolutely amazing people. And oh, you, yeah. are, you are correct. Those are the people that you need to invest in. Those are the people that yeah. you need to buy into. Those are the people you need to formulate your relationships with. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And yeah, it's... Uh, and we come back to, again, it's how, it's how people... That, that's what you remember is how people make you feel. Yeah, absolutely. And... Um, 100%. Yeah. And, and and then it's the same it's the same with horse training isn't it you know if you can make a horse feel confident if you can help them feel relaxed um then you can help them whereas if you get if you have a horse and you get them to the point where they're so stressed out they don't know what you're asking and they don't know what the answer is then they that's when they freeze up and that's where you get problems yeah that training block takes um, place yeah and that, that's what I love about horses is how, how much, you know, they are like people. And, and so much of horse training and just general uh, people skills, how much it all correlates together. I was going to say. It's quite in, incredible, really. Uh, for you and all of the flights that you've taken across the world, right, in your <laughs> pursuit of education yeah. of the horse, to date in your experience, what what is one of your greater takeaways or what is one of the, the more pivotal moments or experiences in your journey that, that will forever stick with you or have changed you as a person? Well, that is a, that is a juicy question. Ready? Um, go. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Let's think. So for me, uh, there's a few, there's, for instance, the, I remember the first time I left um, Dan's place and I remember feeling like 
I, I'd, I'd done a lot and I'd covered a lot of ground with them, you know, with horse training, with going to different amazing things and meeting amazing people. And I remember leaving that place feeling confident and, and noting to myself how, how much I felt like I believed in myself for the first time in a long time. And I believed like I could go on and take on the world. Um, so I guess that's one. Um, I would say a similar thing has happened since I've left Nikki's place. I've left so much more, um, well, so much more. Like I feel, yeah, uh, yeah, incredible. And um, from a horse training point of view, there was a moment at um, at Nikki's. I had like a a ranch horse um, that they let me have as a project um, for, with like a. I was putting a a liberty start on him so uh and this horse um was quite waspy and and not really uh not very sociable didn't really like people very much no for no particular reason other than that's just his personality and and um yeah so I started with him and he was very difficult which I was trying to embrace because you know you, you don't necessarily learn too much from the from the easier ones so um, and I had spent a lot of time with this guy and wasn't really getting very far. And then there was one day in particular that um, he had started to work quite well, just in, in walk um, around me and ch- would change directions and stuff at Liberty. And, and um, yeah, this one day, uh, it was quite a walk down to the round pen and I um, didn't really have time on that day to walk all the way down there. So I just took him in this little grass pen um, that was just off the corral um where all his friends were and then on the other side of this pen were some other cults that were in for starting with this other other guy that was on the ranch um and then obviously this pen has grass in it so so i did some groundwork i say so uh, the human being is less than interesting at that point is what you're saying yeah yeah (laughs) and so i did some groundwork with him and he was really good and i thought oh shall i take shall i take his halter off today or shall i leave it because there there is all this other stuff going on around and he might just leave me or he might decide to to eat the grass and and then, you know, then what if that sends me backwards a few steps? And anyway, I took the halter off and I chucked it away. And he stayed with me. And uh, we did a little, a couple of little bits. And uh, and he stayed, he stayed with me. And I remember he came back to my shoulder and I had goosebumps. And I think I probably, I probably cried a bit too. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. This but is it happening was right amazing. Now. Yeah, it was amazing. And it was like a moment in time where I just thought, oh, I love this so much. Like, I love that feeling of of that horse has plenty of other things he could be doing right now. And he's chosen to come back to me. Yeah. And particularly since he had been quite difficult and quite antisocial with me and in previous sessions, and for him to do that in that moment was just the best feeling in the world. It's an addiction and, or it creates an addiction. Oh, it really is. It really is. And if that moment, I, it was, it sort of um, cemented that, you know, this is what I, this is what I should be doing. And this is what I need to keep doing. And also this is what I need to bring home to teach people because this feeling is just incredible. It was the best. 
So I think so you I offered guess a, that was quite a pivotal moment. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, and it offers a great segue into your future. Like, what is your plans? What is your direction? I know we talked a little bit more. You want to start getting into more clinics and teaching. Yeah. Explain to people yeah. where where are you going to go from here? Okay, so um, my well, my my literal where I'm going from here is um, so I fly to Australia on Monday. Um, so today, what is today? Saturday. Yes, um, so yeah, I believe. my next, <laughs> my, <laughs> I don't know what it is now. <laughs> I've had jet lag and, um, yeah. So my next, uh, thing is I'm going to Australia until Christmas. So there I'm going to do some more learning, um, uh, which I'm excited about, although I'm not excited about the weather. It's going to be really hot and I'm, I think I'm like, die in the heat as a, an English person um but yes so so more learning is happening so that's going to be good and then when I arrive back in uh it's going to be around sort of January the plan is to start uh, putting it out there and teaching um I want to put on some clinics I have some really good ideas for some different clinics and workshops and lessons that I want to do um i and it, that's going to be sort of natural horsemanship groundwork um liberty i'm really excited to to bring some of this home to the uk now because although there is a small community of you know western natural horsemanship and all the rest of it from what i've seen there is barely any um liberty and i would really like to be able to make it a thing at home um so that that's going to happen and then also just sort of uh general western riding reining um and just even just normal like uh english riders that need help um i want to do that too and just spread the spread the horse love and help people with, with their horses to develop better partnerships and and that's my plan. Um, I have a friend, so uh, the lady I mentioned previously, who I've done a little bit of work with um, down south, uh, she is a reigning trainer. And it's looking like uh, we might be doing some work together too. So so that'll be cool. So I can keep a hand in some reigning stuff. And yeah, it's, um, it's all looking pretty good for next year. I have quite a bit more work to do and... But it's all looking quite exciting, hopefully. As you're explaining all this, I'm just wondering, like, do you sleep? <laughs> well, <laughs> I'll tell you what, this week I have not slept. I have slept terribly. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I've been doing a lot of planning. It's It's been, like, another good thing about the summer was I, I got really into reading um, – not necessarily self-help books, but, you know, books mm -hmm. that help mm -hmm. inspire you to – to do things and to make a go of things and make a go of businesses and and they've been so good for me um and yeah i feel like i'm ready to take on the world and Perfect. well i quite literally am i, I suppose, was gonna say but... i think you've already done that so check that off your list and get on to the next one yeah <laughs> <clears throat> yeah now i need to conquer home <laughs> So perfect. In in closing, I like to give every guest the opportunity to kind of leave words that they live by or advice they would they would pass on to people coming coming down the road just a little bit behind them. So in your worldly experience, what would be some <laughs> advice that you would share with folks to to help them not only with horsemanship specifically, but maybe something in life? Okay. Well, if you have a dream, then do not give up on it. 
because there's been a couple of times now that I could have given up and I could be doing something completely different. And I'm so glad I didn't give up. And there's a really cool quote from one of these ladies that's written one of the books I um, was reading this summer. And it's uh, from a lady called Rachel Hollis. And it's, your dream is worth fighting for. And while you are not in control of what life throws at you, you are in control of the fight. And that really resonated with me when I read it, with everything that happened with the, you know, with the visa and everything and and you, you are in control of the fight. You are, you can, you can take, if bad things come your way and you, you can choose to, to let it stop you or you can choose to find a way around it. And, um, that's hopefully what I'm doing. <laughs> no, it's amazing. And, and you are right. We've talked on, on the show about it numerous times over that perspective is a big, big game changer yeah. in resolution, right? The way you think yeah. of a problem or the way you see a problem or even the resolution that you pursue in a problem. Uh, yeah. It's a huge outcome on success or failure. Yeah. Yeah. Seeing the light in the darkness <laughs> yeah. is, uh, yeah, 100% the, the, way, the way to live. It's definitely been working for me. And things have come up that I didn't even expect just through trying to see the good in everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's quite incredible what life will put your way if you if you look for, for good in things. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Kim, I thank you very much for making time for everybody here at Let Freedom Reign podcast. It was an amazing episode. It was great to get you know you a little bit more than our brief conversations up there at Heart of the Horse. And we wish you the best of luck in all of your future endeavors. Well, thank you very much. It's been an honor. Thank you. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to this episode of Let Freedom Reign podcast. Again, you can find us on social media under Let Freedom Reign podcast. If you want to support the growth of this podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash let freedom reign podcast. Again, we thank you and we'll see you on the next one.